everywhere you go. Refreshes without filling. Why? You carry the fun with you. I never cease to wonder at the many ways scientists have learned to improve on nature. To think just what that means. Of course, it means many things. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. But first, here is your announcement. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me today, Miss Keith Bloomfield. Hello, Ryan. Who has a very shiny microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lee Price. Hello. Who has no RGB on his headset. And that's like minus 10 gamer points. <laughs> <laughs> no RGB anywhere near this. <laughs> Well, it's more FPS, Lee. More FPS. No. <laughs> and Mr. Matt Lovell, who has a very shiny chin as he's had a shave. Hello, everyone. And of course, me, your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish, who's more hairy than shiny. <laughs> it's a good look. It's been a few weeks since we last caught up. Uh, let's start off with our usual, what we've been up to. Keith, have you been anywhere? Done anything? Seen anyone? In groups of six or less? No. I can't count that line. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I keep my options so I can, if I can count it I'm okay are you like detritus in this world one two three many <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in the current climate that's a good uh, way of counting things <laughs> one two three too many yeah um, yeah Pro- um, probably not an awful lot that isn't just what I do on a regular basis I think I've played a few more games I've actually made some time um, switching from playing stuff on Switch, of course, with some of the stuff I'd got through Game, because I'd got Game Pass sitting on Xbox, mm-hmm. um, which I really haven't touched in about six months. Um, so I caught up on a few games with there. So I was, I was recently just played After Party, which I know Lee um, was quite quite liked. I think it was on your list of games uh, uh, it was the last the year. It was the game of the week, but I've not actually yet played it. <laughs> Um, which is quite enjoyable. I think to get the achievements, I need to play through again. Uh, I may, may or may not do that. Uh, for some bizarre reason, I want to um, play through the various Kingdom Hearts games that are on there. Because um, it's been a while. It's very easy to understand plot. That's not completed in any single way, <laughs> shape or form. I, I got completely bait and switched by a Game Pass a few week, months ago. When I saw Final Fantasy VII was released on Game Pass to a big hoo-ha. Oh, you mean the, uh, the original? Yeah, the, ori- the original PlayStation <laughs> 2 era Final Fantasy VII. It's like, you you knew exactly what you were doing, Xbox. <laughs> I have that downloaded because I'm going to use footage from it. But yeah, I knew which one I was downloading. And I keep getting utterly totally frustrated by uh, West of Dead. Uh, hmm. Which is just... Uh, I'm just not... I'm not very good at that game. Um, so, yeah. I keep coming back to it and I just think, I can just go get a bit further this time. No. <laughs> I'm just terrible at it. Um, not played that one. And then just, it's kind of cool. It's, I, I kind of played it because it had got Ron Perlman doing the lead character voice. Um, mm-hmm. And the, and the art style is really nice. It looks fantastic. Um, but I, I just find it a little tricky. I'll get there eventually. It's my age. I blame my age. That's what it is. I can't, I can't do twin stick shooters very well anymore. So I, can, I can only concentrate on one stick at a time. Um, Did you? And, <laughs> I don't regret saying that. Man. 
That that's going in the clips library. <laughs> and and I all I think the recipe is just catching up on um, some of the comics that I'd picked up from World's Park recently. So I'd got about six months worth of comics to read through, hmm. um, which has been quite quite nice. How was your lovely yeah, wife when you brought those home? She was fine. She was fine. <laughs> it wasn't that big. A, it wasn't that. It was. A, it was a big. It was a big pile, <laughs> but it wasn't as big as it could have been. Um, so I'm trying to cut down a little bit on the regular titles that I'm picking up, mm-hmm. and just be very specific. Um, so it's like, and a lot of those mini series anyway, so they'll be ending. Yeah. But then unfortunately, there's new mini series starting to Ooh. take their place. So, yeah. Um, doesn't help. But, I, I look yeah. forward to seeing them in your comics roundup each week on GeekyRiver.com. Yes, yes. I keep, I'll keep banging on about Save Hellblazer as well. Yeah. Um, you have to get the shameless plugs in early. Yeah. <laughs> get that in. But just kind of regular, really. No buses still, which I know for long-term fans is um, <laughs> disappointing. I haven't ranted about a bus in several months. Um, but that's good. Lee, what have you been up to? You've been busy on the YouTubes, I see. Yes, been busy on YouTube um, after a very, very short break because of computer updating and stuff like that. Um, but things are back now. Um, and also been playing through various things that I've been meaning to play through. Uh, recently been playing through a game called Attack of the Earthlings, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, it is about a corporation that goes to a, a hostile alien planet and starts being devoured by a, a, a deadly alien force. The twist is, you're the alien force. So it's sort of mm. like XCOM if you play as the aliens. Nice. And it, it's a really interesting game. So basically, you're kind of like this hive mind creature. So you're kind of, you've got like a matriarch creature. But then, like, every, every person that you kill, you can then use their biomass to create more troops. And it, you can just keep growing your army. Uh, it's also got, like, a really fun, like, dark sense of humor about the whole thing, like the, the human enemies are all just inept and trying their best to fight against you but have absolutely no idea what they're doing and it's it's hilarious um, there's one part in particular where there's a, a surprise party for one of the uh, employees on this space on this like base and you basically just infiltrate it as the guy who whose party it is, but he's brainwashed with like your brain slug that you can attack them with. Um, and there's a turret in the room that is deactivated, and it sees what's going on, and it can't do anything because it's been deactivated. And then you later see that turret in therapy in another level, and it's just <laughs> little little bizarre little things like that that make it just such a, a, quite a, a fun, interesting game. Yeah, it sounds uh, a bit like... Starship Troopers in reverse as well. That classic Paul mm. Verhoeven movie. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. Uh, it, but you are the bugs. Um, <laughs> a couple of other things I've been playing as well. Like I've been delving into Game Pass. And I decided to try that uh, Recall game that came out on Xbox a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Did not like that, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one about the, um, the girl with like the robot dog. And it just got intensely repetitive over time and just 
Like, and the story's kind of there, but not really. It just yeah. it kind of half ups it. And yeah. But yeah. Um, sounds. There's something. Yeah. Sounds something that like, that usually will stay on Game Pass for eternity because nobody else bought yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is another game that I've been playing, but I'm not talking about that too much because I've got a video coming out on that soon. So. <laughs> and what's your YouTube channel if people want to find your videos? Uh, my YouTube channel is Bob Petras. Yeah, go and check these videos out when you get chance as well. Really good stuff on there. Matt, what have you been up to apart from shaving the last few weeks? <laughs> um, I've been having very apocalyptic vibes, which I've really only just clocked. So I've been playing um, a couple of games all centered around the apocalypse, and I've uh, been reading a lot of apocalyptic stuff as well. I don't really know why. Um, it's just kind of rabbit hole I've fallen into. So I've started rereading the novelizations of the Resident Evil original series by S.D. Perry. That was released in the 90s, and I used to love, so I've just gone back and reread them. Um, I've been playing through The Last of Us Part 2 um, in my usual fashion of being really late to the party. Um, and... I've been playing uh, The Walking Dead, the final season as well, um, kind of simultaneously, which is kind of interesting um, because they're both similar in some respects in terms of the way they do the story and the actions have consequences, that kind of thing. Um, and not really apocalyptic, but kind of, if you think about it, I've been playing a lot of Fall Guys, um, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically Takeshi's Castle or Total Wipeout as a Game. See, I was going to say. See, I was going to say Highlander because there can be only one at the end. Well, yeah, even better. <laughs> <laughs> that fits into the theme. Yeah, let's go with that. Highlander with jelly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I don't understand why you're such into apocalyptic stuff at the minute. It's not like there's a pandemic on where people are being kept indoors. <laughs> I, I know, but I mean, I would have thought I'd got into that vibe like really, really early on when it, it was properly everyone's indoors, but now everyone's going outside again and, and socialising. I've kind of withdrawn, and now I'm all about the doom and gloom and everyone's dying. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is kind of that dream for people who are slightly socially awkward that people have to remain at least six feet away from you and you can't see half their face. <laughs> uh, social distancing through my binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> from my window. <laughs> like that one Simpsons episode of Bart is like watching everyone in the pool. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you have been arranging some film screenings at your workplace as well. Any coming up that you might be interested in? Yeah, so um, what I've quite enjoyed is we've started doing a cult film uh, once a month. Um, so this month for September, we did a public poll on social media and The Dark Knight, um, Christopher Nolan's second film from the Dark Knight series, um, one. And um, so that'll be screening on Thursday, the 24th of September. Um, and it's quite nice uh, because it was... Um, it was originally shown in IMAX um, at Millennium Point, and it was quite a big deal back in 2008. Obviously, this won't be the IMAX version, but it's still another chance to see it on the big screen. And I think that film was quite pinnacle in terms of setting a precedent for how 
superhero films uh, carried on, particularly with obviously Heath Ledger and how, as the Joker, he kind of redefined what a villain is rather than being a cartoony, clowny kind of villain. It's more psychological and a villain you can actually really empathise with to an extent. So, yeah, really excited to have that. Um, tickets are available through our website, millionpoint.org.uk, or by following our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash millionpoint. Cool. Sounds like a good screening. Look forward to that. And how about you, Ryan? What have you been up to in the few weeks, apart from profusely growing um, massive amounts of hay? Yeah. <laughs> you're getting close to being like Crystal Tips and Alistair um, style. Um, and if you don't know who what that is, just Google it, kids. It's fine. You'll be okay. It's not a nosy bonk reference. It's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to grow a perfect circle of hair and just have my face in the center. <laughs> so you look like one of those crazy lion toys that you used yeah. to be able to get. Yeah. So it's perfectly spherical hair with like like a Bob Ross kind of hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> it, is it Gold, Goldwyn Meyer or something who has the, the lion intro where it's roaring into the screen? Yeah, MGM. Yeah. MGM, that's it. I remember when they replaced him with Tom and Jerry for a couple of the original cartoons, didn't they? And just yeah. get Tom going, yeah. <laughs> So, what have I been up to? I've been catching up on stuff on Netflix. So. And on Disney Plus, so I watched Star Wars Resistance, which I'm still undecided about if it was actually any good or not. It's it's a lot more kid friendly than Rebels was. And after watching Rebels, which finished on a really really good high, it was kind of like yeah, this is a bit simplistic. To be fair, in comparison, I'm hoping it picks up more in the later series when they come out. Uh, I have finished Avatar: The Last Airbender as I missed it the first time round. And apparently it polls really, really well, and it's one of those shows that you should get around to watching at some point. Really recommend it. it really, really good. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really a lot more character development and impactful than you could think in three series of a cartoon. So, really, really do recommend it. And it does, as I said, it's had lasting staying power, so must have been good in the first place. Uh, I am midway through Umbrella Academy Season 2, which we will discuss a little bit later on. And what else? Uh, video game wise, I downloaded Microsoft Flight Simulator and waited three hours, well, three days really, I should say, more than three hours. Yeah, I left it overnight to download and then waited three hours for the patch. <laughs> and then just I buzzed around people. And I did what everybody does on Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is found my house, which seems to be the only thing. I tried to crash into it. <laughs> Not trying to push into my house yet. <laughs> have, have you found any of the weird Eldritch buildings yet? Cannon Hill Park was a bit weird to start off with. I think they fixed it now. It's like okay. they had the, like the waterfall instead of having an actual pond. Yeah, I think I think somebody had basically messed up with the elevation on some of the water, so it was mm -hmm. kind of like above the level of the ground. It's basically it's not quite as bad. Yeah. That one place in, I think, Sydney or somewhere like that, where it's like a ridiculously tall building that's just impossible dimensions. Yeah, basically on that one, I think it's they like used publicly available data for the house building sizes, mm -hmm. and somebody just overtyped the normal height and put a couple of extra zeros at the end. So it's yeah, like I think, a... I think it's a few, 
I think it's a two-story house, and they put it down as like a two-thousand-story house. <laughs> yeah. <Something like> that. <laughs> Somehow ended up with a bunch of zeros. But yeah, so that's quite fun to fly around with. And I have purchased, and it arrived today, and I've had about half an hour to remember how rubbish I was at it. The Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two remastered, which, I mean, that takes a lot of stones to remaster what is on the Metacritic's tops, I think it's second best game of all time, which is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, but it, they've done a good job fairly so far, got most of the soundtrack there, feels exactly like it used to, getting used to it with the Xbox One controller is taking a little while, I was used to a PlayStation controller back then, but yeah, instant nostalgia as soon as Superman kicks in, and you're, <laughs> and you're in the warehouse. I've never played either of those games. I don't think I've played any of the Tony Hawk games at all. Shock, shocking. Shocking. I will I will lend the game to you at some point, Keith. I'll be terrible at it. I can guarantee that. It, it's... I think um, it was like, obviously those two were amazing and then I played uh, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland on Xbox 360 and that was kind of one of the first experiences when I realised um, gaming can be cruel and yeah. very depressing. <laughs> Does everybody remember? <laughs> yeah. The only Tony Hawk games I've played are generally considered good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does everybody remember Tony Hawk's Ride, which was in the middle of the plastic peripheral phase, which was basically a skateboard yeah. without wheels, and apparently it was that awful that people are just breaking the skateboard across their TV in <laughs> angry rage. They released really... a good joke about bringing that back for the remaster and you know combining it with VR. <laughs> all right so coming up in the show today we'll be talking about the june trailer which dropped the day that we're recording this uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat about umbrella academy season two have a bit of a gaming roundup as there's been lots of gaming news including the xbox series x and series s prices have dropped finally and we'll be having some pictures go up on our twitter poll from our setting the scene competition, where you can vote on our Twitter uh, who's got the best picture. I think it's going to be a close run game. <laughs> Looks to be fun though. It should work really well for an audio medium. Yes, we should describe them using the using our amazing just description skills. Right. You all use the power of imagination and then check if there was a person. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. And then get disappointed really quickly, yeah. <laughs> build them up too much. Right, so we'll be back in a tick. Loser! Diego! What was that? The end of the world, November 25th, 1963. And where am I now? Dallas, 10 days earlier. I need to find my family. All right, first off, I want to say we brought the end of the world back here with us. Oh my God, again? My cult is going to be so pissed. I told him we had until 2019. We have until Monday. I have to make it ready before everyone and everything we know is dead. You don't know anything about I know me. everything. You are an open book written for very dumb children. Klaus, it's been here? No, unfortunately, ghosts can't time travel. Are you kidding me? All right, quick rundown. Luther, super strength. Klaus can commune with the dead. Allison can rumor anyone to do anything. Except she never uses it. I heard a rumor. You 
punched yourself in the face. Alright, so Umbrella Academy Season 2 has dropped on Netflix a few, well, almost a month ago now. Um, I'm about midway through. Matt, Lee, Keith, how are you getting on with Umbrella Academy? I'm about four episodes in, so I think I'm probably around where you are. Yeah. Lee? I've finished it. Of course you finished it, Mr. Binge Watcher. (laughs) (laughs) I have never watched any Umbrella Academy. (laughs) Right. So the premise of... Yeah, so uh, Alex, <laughs> I will introduce you to the world of the Umbrella Academy and describe what it's all about. So basically, six or seven, is it seven or six? Six, isn't it? Six. It's originally seven. Yeah. One. Yeah. Six or seven, depending on your interpretation of what number seven is. Gifted children who are born at a, well, a, an event happens and some children are born with special powers. An eccentric billionaire basically buys the children, takes them to his mansion in New York, where they're brought up by a monkey and an android, and they become a crime-fighting group. But they all fall out. It all goes all goes wrong. They all go off in their separate ways, and they're all basically brought together, brought back together by the death of the eccentric billionaire to stop Doomsday happening. That's pretty much wrapping up season one pretty quickly. Uh, at the end of season one, they all get sent back in time because the apocalypse doesn't get stopped. Spoilers, sorry, if you've not watched season one. Uh, but um, So we're joining them basically after the apocalypse, but back in time. And they all end up in Dallas in the early 60s where lots of stuff happens. So that that's basically setting the scene. I've been really enjoying it. I think I love the soundtrack to... Umbrella Academy better than the actual show sometimes because your music selection is absolutely amazing. I mean, they do really. Um, I know it started off. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing I've got to mention. It all started off as a comic book by Gerard Way, uh, lead singer of My Chemical Romance. And Gabriel Barr. Yes, and Gabriel Barr, who's a beautiful artist. Um, yes. So. It's... Not the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it's it started off from an interesting point for what is traditionally a comic. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on how far you think season two is going. I, uh, me personally, I think I, I agree with you. I think I, I love the cinematography of it. This would sound really uh, stupid now, but I love the cinematography of it. I love the music and how they mesh it all together. Yeah. I haven't seen obviously all of it, so I, I'm. I can see it's building towards something, but I kind of feel I'm getting the same vibes as when I watched Final Space, um, the animated um, series on Netflix, where mm. I think the first season was quite tight. Yeah, They had a clear objective, and it was basically working towards that every time, whereas in season two, there's obviously there is still an objective, but it's a bit meandering, and it's I, I know it's um, because effectively the setting is the 60s and centering around the pivotal week of the uh, Kennedy assassination so you've got all these different kind of um, issues they're, br- they're brushing on experiences like um, the summer of love you've got the um, civil rights movements that kind of thing it is interesting yeah. but I think they're not there's not a cohesive storyline going through it's very bitty yeah um from what I watch, 
from what I've watched so far, it seems to be heavily focusing on the character development this season to yeah. like really big up the characters a little bit more. So it was, as you said, first season was very tight, but we didn't get a lot of background on the characters. It was more just as an introduction episode as such, whereas this one they've really, really pushed the character development on, I think. Um, I also thought, I, I missed Cha-Chan Hazel, because I, I loved I loved their bits um, in the first series. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm sad they've kind of taken a back step on, on the, the second series. I mean, so far, anyway. I mean, you do get the IKEA mafia instead. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, but they still don't get high um, in a lab and do a dance. So yeah, that's what I'm I'm waiting for. Really, to step it up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it, it's it's a very different tone for this season, definitely. All of this is great without context. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely worth watching. I think um, I, I've really enjoyed the series as a whole, um, both both so far. Um, but I just think even from it's a very pretty series, um, and again, musically, the way it's filmed, that kind of thing, it is very pretty to the eyes, very nice to watch. I think I saw a trailer for like one of the earlier, for the first season, and I just didn't really like the look of it. Just didn't mm. feel it. Yeah, I mean, if you compare it to the boys, which is probably about the same level of violence and adult goings on in it, I should say, um, I think Umbrella Academy is much the stronger series if we're putting them against mm. each other. So, if you've heard about the boys and that kind of adult themed comic book adventure, I I, th- I, I would prefer that. It's not really interesting me either. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I um I, what I do quite like about the boys though is just how much they they do dig at established superhero franchises and the marketing and PR of of said uh, yeah. superhero franchises. It's quite enjoyable on <laughs> that respect. Yeah, I mean they both are a satire of the typical superhero genre in their own way, but one's a bit more blatant with it, I think, especially. <laughs> And the one thing that does jar with me a bit cinematography-wise is the obvious green screening that they're doing at some points. There's a whole scene with uh, Ellen Page's character, Vanya, when she's running towards a lake, and you can tell she's pretty much just in the soundstage and running on the spot quite badly. But (laughs) but it's kind of like, I'd say it's probably late 2000s era of CGI in there which has now come to the tv stage so it's kind of like it's not awful but at the same time it's not great when you see that Uh, keith you've been curiously quiet so far well that's because (laughs) i was a big fan of the comic when it first came out um so i was curious about the series when it first started and whilst i liked the series I was very disappointed that it didn't lean into the absurdity that was present in the comic. Um, because the opening comic story um, basically has them fighting an anthropomorphic Eiffel Tower that can talk and fight. So you can see the kind of thing that they were going for um, in the comic, which they just obviously couldn't do in a TV series. Yeah. So they've taken, they've taken the basic essence of, the, of that Hargreaves family and where they've come up trumps with that is the casting, uh, because the casting is spectacular. 
mm. particularly from the fact that Robert Sheehan has got to play Klaus, which is the, the, the standout character in both season one and even more in season two, when mm. he's partnered much more with Ben. Um, that is just a, an absolute standout um, sequence. And I liked season two much more than season one because they did start to lean in to the comic absurdity that was there. Um, so when they introduced characters like Carmichael, that was much more the visual that I'd got from the original um, comic book um, version of the Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. And I must admit, I really, really enjoyed season two um, much, much more than season one. I just think they'd found their feet. The, 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 all the actors had kind of found their voice in terms of the characters they were playing, and they just got to have fun with it. And I really enjoyed that part of it. I, I agree a little bit with Matt, the fact that characters like Char Char and Hazel, um, which they could have done something more with, and they kind of have, you know, a, a brief cameo. Yeah, I was going to say, you, get, first episode. you do get a tiny bit of Hazel at the start, don't you? So. Yeah. Um, and, and the Swedes aren't quite the, 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 the um, replacement for that because they don't get to, to actually have a character. No. They're kind of just there as this omnipresent threat to the family throughout the series, mm -hmm. but without any real weight behind who they are. We don't really know anything about them. We get to, we get to learn a lot more about other characters in the commission, um, but they don't get to do much. They're just there yeah. and occasionally rock up and cause trouble. Um, but I, I really enjoyed season two. I really, really um, kind of hope that they lean into that kind of absurdishness a little bit more. In, in season three. Yeah, I mean, I did love the bit when... Oh, what's her name now? Um, is it Sissy goes back to work after the end of season one? Yes. And she's been replaced by what can only be described as a goldfish bowl with a walking body. <laughs> yes, Carmichael. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say about season two, which I did liked a lot was the fact that they've taken the opportunity to put a lot of very current um, stuff in there and obviously they're in Dallas in 1963 mm -hmm. part of the, you know as, as part of the civil rights movement so they do focus on the fact that one of the characters there is is deeply impacted by the fact they've turned up in early 1960s America yeah where segregation was still a big thing. And mm -hmm. I think they address that in a way that is both um, sympathetic but powerful in the current climate to go, we're, here we are yeah. 60 years later. And I still think, and, yeah. And kind of go, think, things haven't changed as much as we would like to think they have. Yeah. And I kind of, kind of quite like the fact that they have taken some of that um, real world message and, and, and are addressing it in a way that, that worked very well. I mean, one of the other things I've really enjoyed as well is everybody has their own agenda this season, rather than just being present. Yeah. They've all got their own kind of, they've all got their own kind of thing that they're wanting to do. They've all got their own kind of solo mission that they're trying to happen. I mean, one one of the characters, Diego, is trying to stop the assassination of JFK, mainly because that's what the timing set as. Uh, everybody else has got their own little solo mission. I won't say too much because it'll probably spoil it if you've not watched it. 
But it's interesting to watch how they conflict against this whole we need to stop the end of the world at the same time. And it's a lot the more... Whole, yeah. The whole family dynamic really works. Yeah. Um, you know, they really play up that whole family dynamic. Thing. I think it's, it works well for the series. Yeah. I and mean, is it that individualistic versus the whole family common goal, isn't it, at the same time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting you then talked about the boys. Yeah. Um, because that's a comic I really dislike. Um, I know it's got a lot of fans, but it, very unpleasant. I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy it in, at all. It was just, it seemed like a book written because they thought this will appeal to 13 year old boys. Um, and it, it was very, it, I just didn't get anything out of that particular series. Perhaps it would have, it got better as it went on because it went mm-hmm. on for ages. Um, but I didn't like it, um, the first run that I read. Whereas I quite like the series because it's done, it's it's paired back from that. Yeah. It's, it's not been as extreme. There's graphic violence and stuff, but it's, it's been a, it's a, uh, had a little bit more of a mature attitude put to it. And I hope, I think that's possibly due to the fact that Eric Kripke, the creator of Supernatural, has been involved. So he's kind of delved into the characters a little bit more. Um, so that's that's working quite well in terms of the character depths that we're getting in there, um, and again the casting works really well, apart from Carl Urban, who was just making Australian because <laughs> he basically sounds Australian, even though he's trying to do Danny Dyer in EastEnders. I mean, he, he he was Australian in Lord of the Rings. He was Australian in Dread. <laughs> we just got to live with it, Keith. He's only like, got one accent to do. Yeah, I mean, even his Dr. McCoy voice was pretty good. Just, just, just do that. <laughs> you don't need to make Billy English. It's not relevant to the plot. It just reminded me of Constantine when they tried to put him in um, the DCEU. And I think he had 17 different regional accents before he decided to pick one. <laughs> yeah. Although it does mean you get the occasional English swear word. True. Which I always quite like. So that's quite like... I do quite like the um, mm-hmm. the dropping of the, of the B... <laughs> blocks word which, yeah. which is, I always find yeah, yeah it's a good word it's a very good word multiple meanings mm-hmm. so that's that's good <laughs> yeah but I think it's definitely from what I've seen so far it's it's a definite success this one and it, and it feels like an expansion rather than when you have sometimes where a sequel after comes off the back of something that's been so tightly written and you can tell they've They've made it basically as a one-season thing that if it doesn't get renewed, that people will still be happy enough that there's been an ending. But it seems to be that there's definitely... This has definitely gone up a gear from what I've seen so mm-hmm. far. But yeah. But I think if you haven't given Young Baller Academy a try, def- definitely seek it out. It's a, it's a great series. And if you haven't read the comic book as well, yeah, um, that's definitely well worth seeing. time now for the comic pool list and this week i'm going to be looking at some of the comics from the week just gone and the week coming my comics of the week for the week just gone uh, was tied this week uh, because two particularly interesting comics came out my first pick for comic of the week is bill and ted are doomed number one from dark horse comics this is written by evan dorkin with assistance from ed solomon i'm sure and art by roger language 
The new Bill and Ted movie has been released in some places, with the UK having to wait until later this month for the opportunity to see it. But to ease our Bill and Ted cravings, Dark Horse have released this prequel story to the film written by screenwriter Ed Solomon and Evan Dorkin. Evan Dorkin was responsible for Bill and Ted's excellent comic book, a 12-issue series published back in 1991. His art and affection for the characters have made that series a joy to read. I hope this, this new series captures the love and affection we all have for Bill and Ted, and this is a most triumphant return to comics for our boys from San Dimas. My second comic of the week is The Rise of Ultraman, issue one from Marvel Comics. This is written by Matt Groom and Kyle Higgins, with art by Michael Cho and Francesco Manna. It's just a coincidence that my second pick of the week is also an adaption of a popular screen franchise. This one is Ultraman, who first appeared on TV in 1966. Ultraman has since gone on to star in dozens of TV series, films, comics, games, and even a stage show. This new series from Marvel looks incredible, and I hope it pushes this great character into a more prominent place in the West. If you've never experienced Ultraman before, you are in for a treat. A couple of other books published that week that are also of note uh, include the Half Century War Godzilla collection from IDW Publishing that was written and drawn by the incredible James Stokey. Also out this week was Marauders No. 12 from Marvel. And ahead of the release of the game later on in the year was the first issue of Cyberpunk 2077 Trauma Team from Dark Horse Comics. My comic of the week for next week is You Look Like Death, Tales from the Umbrella Academy number one from Dark Horse Comics. This is written by Sean Simon and Gerard Way with art by I.N.J. Culbard. I really enjoyed the recent second season of The Umbrella Academy on Netflix, so have many others, and it's pretty obvious that Klaus was a character that many people loved. Now Dark Horse Comics are releasing the first spin-off from the main Umbrella Academy series, which will focus on the early days of Klaus's time at the school. ING Cobard, who you may also know from his work in 2000 AD, takes over art duties from Gabriel Barr, and it'll be interesting to see how these characters are rendered by someone new. If you've not yet explored the comic version of the Umbrella Academy, this is probably not the best place to start. Read the Apocalypse Suite and Dallas first, but if you're a long-time fan, like me, I just can't recommend this highly enough. My other pick for this week is Headlopper number 13 from Image Comics. This is written and illustrated by Andrew McLean. The first two arcs of Headlopper were great fun, so I'm really looking forward to the return of the titular character and the lovely and fluid, expressive art of Andrew McLean. If you've not read any Headlopper before, it may be best to grab the first two collections before diving into this new series, but you really should be adding this great comic to your pull list. Just be warned you'll have to wait a few months between issues, as this is a quarterly title. Some other comics of note this week that you should be picking up include X-Men number 12 from Marvel, Star Trek Year 5 number 14 from IDW, Once and Future number 11 from Boom, Excalibur 12 from Marvel, and Billionaire Island number 6 from Ahoy Comics. With the Tom King Hellblazer book picking up some great reviews, I'd like to remind everyone how magnificent the ongoing series is and that we should not allow DC to cancel it with issue 12. If you check out the show notes or our recent Twitter feed, you'll be able to find a link to the Sign Hellblazer petition uh, where we'll hopefully persuade DC Comics to continue the John Constantine Hellblazer series by Cy Spurrier. And that's it for this week, and I'm going to return you back to the main show. Moving on to... Well, 
It's a novel. It's an adaption of a novel rather than a graphic novel as such. Uh, the Dune trailer has come out today. Did you see? There's a crusade coming. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dreamed them? Yes. The test is simple. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Pain. You inherit too much power. You have proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule up something none of your ancestors learned. My father rules an entire planet. He's losing it. He's getting a richer one. He'll lose that one too. Arrakis is a death trap. This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. An animal caught in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to escape. What will you do? I know you. My Lord Duke. Where the fear is gone. Only I will remain. Uh, starring Oscar Isaac, our favourite Aquaman, Big Muscles. And uh, Zendaya, isn't it, as well? And Timothy Chalamet. Yes. Thoughts, ladies gentlemen? I mean, it's it's, it's going to be compared to the original, isn't it? It's it's going to be compared to the the lovely film made back in the eighties. Is it is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? What do we think? It definitely looks more on an epic scale to me. As someone whose entire knowledge of Dune is the spice must flow and sting in weird pants. I'm going to sit this one out. As well. <laughs> You're sitting on the fence on Martin. Right. Okay. Shall we? Shall we go for the cast first? I'm saving my energy for the Xbox feature. <laughs> yeah. Shall we go for the cast first? And uh, and the music is by Hans Zimmer as well. So Keith's automatically not a fan of that one. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. Okay. You know his score to the, the Muppet Chris, uh, the Muppet Treasure Island is a great score. I'll give you that. That's a, it's a good one. Right. Although, did he do the Pirates of the Caribbean theme? That's all right. I quite like that one. No. He, he ripped not? that off the guy that did it to start with and took the best <laughs> bits of that and then stuck it in his and everybody only remembers it as being in but it's not. Oh, okay. Swindler. The, the, the first one with the like the, the, the popular theme wasn't handsome. But he probably was the producer or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> okay, so the cast list. It's quite an ensemble cast. I think they've got some good names in here. Some Some interesting picks, shall I say. So you've got Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Zendaya, Chang Chen, uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Ramping, uh, Jason Momoa, and Javier Bardem. So, a bit of a mixed bag there, I think. I mean, I'm assuming Jason Momoa is playing Duncan Idaho, mainly from what I've seen in the trailer, which was Patrick Stewart in the other adaptation by Dave Lynch. So that that's an interesting character swap, if there is a one. But from the look of the trailer, and I do quite respect Dennis Villeneuve quite a lot, 
who is directing, especially with stuff like Arrival. He knows how to do epic stuff, so I don't know. We've had the miniseries of Dune. The audiobook is still my favourite version, apart from reading it yourself. I don't know. Condensing such a weighty novel down to what's going to be, what, two and a half hours, three hours max runtime is always going to be a bit of an issue. I've, I've never really had experience with, with Dune at all. Um, obviously, I've known of it, but I've never really watched it. Um, from the looks of the trailer, as someone could put it fresh, it looks interesting. Um, I'm a little bit um, apprehensive about epic sci-fi with lots of like armies and that kind of thing, only because it just looks, a lot of the time, in a lot of instances, it looks quite um, a bit hyper-realistic and that kind of thing, and it kind of loses my immersion a little bit. Um, but it, it depends how, how they go for it. I think um, the actual presentation of it looks quite interesting. Um, and they use uh, Eclipse by Pink Floyd from Dark Side of the Moon in trailer. So it's not bad. That it, it's, it piques my curiosity. Dark Side of the Moon is one of those where, is it a cliche to use it when you're talking about... <laughs> Weird stuff in space and the spice that must flow. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, um, it's it's big shoes to fill, so it, it's it's yeah. it's going to be interesting what kind of audience they're going for as well. Um, I mean, yeah, the David Lynch version didn't find a massive audience on release, but it's become a cult classic over the over the years, and it's going to be one of those. That's going to be very hard for anybody who's seen that film to get out of their head whilst they're watching the Vilna version. As, as you mentioned, Lee, Sting in His Pants is quite an iconic shot, unfortunately, for the modern age. But I, I'm cautiously optimistic is the best way to phrase this, I think. Again, Keith, you're being very quiet. It's tricky because, for me, um, the original came out at a time that so it had, it had a big impact on me i mean toto did the music yeah so that's that's a big thing but looking at this looking at this trailer a lot of it and obviously because it's an adaptation a lot of it feels very similar it's obviously scrubbed up 21st century 4k better mm. better um special effects yeah um but a lot of the iconography seemed very similar so it's not like they're trying to scrub the 84 version out and go we're completely reinventing it so there, there does seem to be touchstones to that um which in- intrigues me again villeneuve has got talent um over other directors that, that a lot of people like at the moment mm-hmm. that have done things i've quite liked what he's done as a, as a sto- visual storyteller um I wasn't hugely keen on watching the Blade Runner sequel, but he did a very good job with that. Uh, and again, I think he, he's shown that he can look back and look forward at the same time. Yeah. I think he's doing that again with this, that, that he's taking elements that worked in the original version and going, there's no point changing that, but I, I'm going to update it and make it work for a 21st century audience. Um, Casting, uh, again, is brilliant. As a, as a book that I've read a few times, as you mentioned, those kind of iconographic set pieces that they have, I don't think you could make the film without having to use those because the book is so much structured around them that you couldn't sacrifice any of them, really. 
I mean, the whole worm riding scene, the attack on Arrakis by the Sardaukar, stuff like that you won't be able to not put into the film. That's yeah. Especially like with Baron Harkonnen and the the duality of that with the Atreides family. I think um, as well, what's what's there throughout this, I don't know if anybody um, has, has ever delved into that, was the... Um, French filmmaker. Is he French? I might be wrong. Um, but Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to make a version that seemed much more tied to the illustrated yeah. look of Dune that you would have seen from the covers. And I think there's a documentary, which I haven't seen from a few years back, that had a lot more information about what that attempt at making Dune. And that seemed that was the one that tried to be much more a direct adaptation of the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had stylized wise H.R. Geiger involved in that as well. I mean, he's known very yeah. much for his work on Alien, but his kind of his cathedrals of flesh and machinery mixed together, I think, was was a quite a big impact on the design of that film. I mean, Jarodowski's yeah. got a very had a I think he's Polish. He had a very yeah. unique sense to all of his films. And I think actually Pink Floyd was supposed to do the soundtrack for that film. I think it would have fitted their kind of epic scores that they were doing back then. But whoever the marketing genius was that decided to cast Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya should be given a raise because that's going to that's going to attract an, another audience to this film that probably wouldn't have seen it yeah. if it was you know um, Colin McLaughlin or whatever it is. That's going to bring a very youth orientated yeah. or, or audience to this mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it'll do gangbusters really um, and, and and not confuse an audience as well it'll yeah. be complicated and, and, and dense and you'll have to pay attention yeah. but it won't set its stall in going oh we're just going to blatantly confuse you yeah um, I mean comment on any other filmmakers work <laughs> yeah I mean I think the mystical side is going to be the tricky bit for them because there is this whole mystical side running parallel plot how it's generations worth of selective breeding and everything to get to this stage and that's going to be interesting to see if they cover that off or are they just trying to keep it paired to the more actiony side or are they going to delve into the mystical side I think they'll try and do both I mean it's a nice, it's a beautiful looking trailer yeah he it, um, it, it does have a good eye for pretty stuff doesn't he in this film yeah, yeah but I mean, check out the trailer. I'll pop it in the show notes and see what you think. I might pop the nineteen eighty four trailer so you can compare like for like. <laughs> yeah, I recommend people watch that anyway. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting. It's it's not Vin, Lynch's vision. I think mm. he had a lot of studio problems at the time. Yeah, um, but I still think it's a very worthy attempt at, at doing this story. Mm-hmm. And, and there was some great 80s sci-fi, and it kind of lives amongst that. But there's been lots and lots going on in the world of gaming the last few weeks, starting off with Mario's 35th birthday party, and Nintendo's not direct, but we'll just put everything on Twitter now, because we don't want to bother to do a direct. <laughs> and also Microsoft have jumped into the fray with news on their new t- their new two consoles, the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. So I'm going to hand over to Lee to lead this bit as a resident gaming man, and he's been a bit quiet so far. Yes, the new Zelda game was just announced, mm-hmm. and it's like 
Um, it's basically it's Hyrule Warriors, yeah, part two. Um, but it's also a Breath of the Wild prequel, set like a hundred years before Breath of the Wild. And I think it talks about like I haven't played Breath of the Wild, but I know about like there being the calamity mentioned in the yeah. story and everything. This is like going back to that time yeah. where you've got all the big battles going on, which is why they've done a Hyrule Warriors. Mm-hmm. And it was apparently Nintendo approaching Koei Tecmo about doing it rather than the other way around, which I thought was interesting. Interesting. So I'm assuming there's going to be, because we got Breath of the Wild 2 coming out next year, currently planned. Mm-hmm. So I think this is probably yeah. going to be backfilling a bit of plot for that one as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, like we're getting a sequel and a prequel now. So but mm-hmm. I think like it's going to be interesting to see how people react to this because it isn't a pure Zelda game as such. It isn't in, It isn't. Yeah. like Breath of the Wild. It is. It's know, Dynasty Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Dynasty <laughs> Warriors with an overlay. But... Yeah, which is literally what Hyrule Warriors was. You know, it's the same developers, it's the same, you know, mm-hmm. all that. So, yeah. I mean, fair um, play to Koei Tecmo for, like, milking that game for at least 20 generations. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it is great because um, it does but... look like Breath of the Wild as well. It's not a different art style. It looks very mm-hmm. ties directly into the game, but also yeah. for, for me, it's it's easier to play. I, I couldn't delve into the Breath of the Wild just because of the length of gameplay I'd have to invest. So this is a good way for me to get a bit of Zelda action, but in in the kind of times that I'll have available for it. Why don't they make a Wind Waker Warriors game? That'd be cool. <laughs> I think, I think like Wind Waker stuff was in Hyrule Warriors. Was it? One of the versions of it. Yeah, because yeah, he had a big, he had a bit. That, the Hyrule Warriors had a massive roster of characters, didn't it? And I think that yeah, this one, they're think, not doing that. I think because I think there were like three different versions of it, and each version added more stuff each time. Because you have the Wii U one, then they did the 3DS one, and then obviously the Switch as well. So. Mm-hmm. Which is why at first I thought this was just like another update for that, and I was like, "Oh no, this is an actual <laughs> sequel for that." <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, we also had the Mario stuff going on, which is the Mario 35th anniversary direct that they put out. Um, basically, all of the stuff that they're doing to celebrate Mario 30, well, 35th anniversary of the release of Super Mario Brothers in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's not actually Mario's anniversary because that's a few years more. Well, yeah, jump. Yeah, I was going to say, well, depends if you go from Jumpman or Mario Brothers the game, doesn't it? So, yeah, either either way, you're still yeah. a couple of years before. Yeah, um, but yeah, like lots of stuff got announced for that. Some weird stuff in there, mm. like the Game and Watch with Super Mario Brothers in it. That was a weird <laughs> one. It's literally like we've released a new Game and Watch. You just play Super Mario Brothers on it. I'm like, okay, like. Why should I get this? <laughs> Literally Same. every other Nintendo system at this point. <laughs> but isn't it in colour? It is in yeah. colour, yes. Yeah. It's That's not like stuff. a. It's not like a classic Game and Watch. I think it would have been hilarious if they had done it as a classic Game and Watch. But I think you. I think there's also. Cause I saw that, but I think you can also play like the original Mario Game and Watch game in it as well. Yeah, I think you can play some of the Game & Watch things in there. Like yeah. they, put, they put a version of Ball in there, but they've put Mario's face on it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> um, But yeah, the, what else was in there? There was the, the Mario Kart thing was in there, so they've announced the 
AR Mario Kart thing, so the Mario Kart toys. So you've got Mario Luigi that you can drive around your living room, and basically they're RC cars, but they control the Switch. Hundred pounds each, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there is that. They are stupidly expensive. Yeah, I think it kind of makes sense because they are like very well modelled things, but also they've got the art, the AR stuff in there. Yeah. They've got the obviously the mechanics to be able to actually drive them around. But yeah, hundred quid is still quite because the, in the trailer they showed four players with two normal switches, two switch lights, and four carts. And I think I worked out this was nearly two grand's worth of material for them to have four-player Mario Kart RC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's 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 definitely interesting, and it's another sort of case of Nintendo, every single generation, they try and push the boat out um, with with the products. But, yeah, at the moment, I think it's just it's, it's quite gimmicky because it's not particularly accessible to most people, let alone do most people have the space to... Yeah, do a proper Mario circuit, but it also be quite interesting how um, they react to like weapons and that kind of thing. Necessarily, like I, I, it looked like the the models stop, the RC cars stop when they're hit or certain status effects. But I mean, the actual translating the the kind of drifting and that kind of thing from traditional Mario Kart into the real world and how the AI reacts around that as well is quite interesting to see. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite as like drifty as actual mm. America. I right. think like we're not going to see. I'm just expecting news reports of family violence due to blue shells going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, my main like, one question I have seen around that is a valid question is what happens when you go off the track? Because mm. you're certainly not going to you're certainly not going to have a Lakitu shop in in real life <laughs> and move it back. Mm. That'll be your mom. In real life. <laughs> Mom, get the car! <laughs> and also, are Nintendo going to be remotely controlling the RC so they can actually like see everything in your house and listen to all your conversations? <laughs> We're like Alexa, but Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked um, cool. Yeah. I mean, that was that looks was really cool. Yeah. It looked great. But then when you saw mm-hmm. the price and you thought, no, yeah, this is. I'm never going to get anywhere here. But I think it's probably also a missed opportunity that they didn't keep that kind of idea because they've they've started off this off this relationship with Lego. Wouldn't it have made sense to somehow mm. work out a way that you could have built carts, and that yeah. could have been you have you have bricks in there that give you certain mm. differences, like the carts do in the game. So you build your own kind of custom cart. Maybe or, you have the actual you know little mini amiibo figure type yeah. drivers. That could sit in them, and then that would have made well, that would have made that a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I mean that would have worked very well with the Lego Technics range, where mm. you can get app-controlled items. So that would have made sense. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and Nintendo, if you're listening, then uh, we've copyrighted this. So. <laughs> yeah, we're making the geeky brummy. <laughs> you, you too can have your own Keith running around your house. <laughs> but, I think I, I do believe I, I translate very well into a Lego body shape. <laughs> I have that figure uh, to be a Lego person. And you have the claw arms as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, to me, it's the scale as well. These these look to be quite large remote control cars. 
I mean, assuming it's mainly to fit the amount of technology that they've got to in them. But it, as you mentioned, for British-sized living rooms, that that's going to be a bit of a... Um, especially carpeted living rooms, they never showed a single bit where the carts are on carpet. So I'm assuming it needs a massive house with a laminate floor. That makes no sense, though, because it's Nintendo. And anybody who knows like how big mm. Japanese houses are, yeah, they're yeah. even worse than British houses. Yeah. I, believe like, yeah, that, true. I believe this has been developed by an American company, though, uh, so I think that's kind yeah. of where it comes from. Is it definitely Nintendo of America's sticky fingers in this one? <laughs> it's like the same thing with VR where everybody expects you to have a 400 foot living room where you can just set it up in a corner it's like it just doesn't work in UK sized houses as the same I can't like, like with um, connects. Yeah. Stand, stand 12 feet away from the camera <laughs> where? I will go and stand in, I will go and stand in my garden <laughs> yeah. but yeah I mean um... As you said earlier, Lee, in the group chat, it, it's a fantastic device that I will not be purchasing in all likelihood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like the, in terms of the Maris, there was also they've announced the 3D All-Stars game, yes. which, which is so, the, it's Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. Which is very surprising, because I expect Mario Galaxy 2 to be thrown in there as well. The lack of Mario Galaxy 2, it's weird that that isn't in there as well. Is that going to be a DLC, do we think? Well, considering this thing's going to be out for six months and then it's going to be taken off sale, probably. Yeah. It, it's interesting, because even, even if it's only on sale for six months, it's a dig, you can get it digitally as well, and it's not just a physical purchase. So yeah. why are they pulling it off shelves or digital stores after six months? I don't know. And it's it's been endlessly debated about why they do this, and it's not a very popular move. Yeah, but of course there are plenty of people who are just like, yeah, but I'm going to get it anyway then because I want to play Mario Sunshine on my Switch. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's kind of with with Nintendo, like with their fan base, they they know that their fan base will just pay them money just 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 for it again. It doesn't matter. (laughs) If anybody's seen Parks and Recreation, Nintendo just walking through and go, money please. like the fact it gives me the opportunity to play Sunshine because I remember not playing it at the time it was released it, because the word was it wasn't that great a Mario game and I think over the years it's been people have appreciated it a lot more so I never played it originally on the GameCube I think a few Mario games I never played it was such an awkward stepchild I think in the whole thing and it was the first time Mario had a completely different mechanic to just jumping on stuff which you saw in Mario 64, excluding the Mario RPGs, of course. So having that different mechanic of you have this, what is a water jet on your back, and that's what you're using, rather than just being freely able to roam around and just jump on things, I think probably was kind of why people rejected it a lot. It was from that era where where Nintendo just had to give the Mario Brothers backpacks for some reason that did. Like either either sucked or blue. <laughs> I did really like Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion. I've always wanted to play it. I've always wanted to play it. It looks really good. Luigi's Mansion Arcade it is an amazing one. If you ever do come across that one in an arcade, Luigi's Mansion Arcade is very much recommended. 
It's basically just Ghostbusters, but you like piloting yeah. the little <laughs> the vacuum, the sucker. <laughs> but yeah. totally different. Yeah. Not at all like Ghostbusters, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not really that much left that they could plunder out of their archives now, I suppose. Mm. I mean, aren't we having a new Super Mario Brothers 3D World game as well? I think they announced that separately. Uh, yeah, that's the Wii U game that's getting ported over. And basically, we're now down to about three games that are now exclusive for the Wii U that have not been ported over to the Switch, and a Xenoblade X is one of them, and then, you know, I, mean, I think there's a couple of others. I mean, for the four people who bought a Wii U in the UK, they're holding on to those three <laughs> games. Like, <laughs> did, they, did, was, did, did they also uh, announce a Pikmin 3 remaster Pikmin as well coming? Yeah, yeah. Was that a Wii U game as well? Mm-hmm. It's like it's look at looking. It's basically look at all the good stuff we did that nobody bought, uh, guys. Really, it's <laughs> so just out of interest. Because uh, I, I don't honestly, I, I don't own the console. But so are, is like Pikmin three and that not available on Nintendo Store for Switch then, at the moment? No. Or, uh, okay, fair enough. So I think they've done the whole thing of. Yeah, I think they did the whole thing of we need to make more money. So instead of releasing it on the on the store, we could do a box physical release and charge even more. Uh, okay, yeah. I think, uh, and as well, I think I counted up my Wii U, my physical Wii U games, and out of, I think 15 games, seven of them have either been ported over or have like an updated sequel on the Switch. <laughs> and then out of all my Switch games, two of them were originally on the Wii U, so it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I, a, there's a theme. I think the thing with exclusivity now is everybody realises that's just pretty much going to be, unless it's first party, it's just time lock. Mm-hmm. We had it with Resident Evil 4, which was announced to be one of Capcom's, I think it was five games they were going to release exclusively only for yeah. the GameCube back in the time. Yeah, it was Resident Evil 4, Beautiful Joe, and a few more Capcom games, I think, which were supposed to be. Yeah, there was like, I remember there was like some third-person shooter that no one bought. PNO3, I think it was. That, I don't I don't even know if that was released in the end, because it, it just failed miserably. Like The whole Capcom 5 thing just went really badly, because Resident Evil Remake, Resident Evil Zero as well was coming out, and then, yeah. yeah, that game was like close to finishing, and then because it just received so much bad press, they just kind of canned it, I think? Yeah. I don't know. No, I think, I think it came out, but no one paid any attention to it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. It, I think... it really felt like it didn't come out. <laughs> it didn't make yeah. any... <laughs> yeah, I think the problem with Resident Evil 4, it was such that golden goose of a game. Capcom were like, yeah, we're going to milk this for eternity. All the budget was there. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a massive bone of contention with Resident Evil 4 because they talk about remaking it and, and everyone's going going all ham about it. Um, but I think it's a brilliant game and for what it did was fantastic. But as an actual Resident Evil game, it went way off kilter. So... I'm one of that very like small minority who are. I also I also think that a remake of four is pointless because remaking two and three makes sense because they kind of brought it into like the more of the Resident Evil four style but keeping a lot of the the navigation and exploration of the originals. You know, so it was like we'd taken that original formula and we're kind of modernizing it. But four can just be remastered and it still works, and I think that's. That's my problem with it, with doing a full remake of it in the style that they've done with 2 and 3. 
Yeah, or I think a lot of it. Um... It's probably doing code wrong instead. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. So I know we've gone on a tangent, but I think a lot of it is with Resident Evil Four. I think they're trying to tone down some story elements so it fits more into mm. this almost like new revised canon they're doing with the two and three remakes. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense, but Resident Evil 4 had a squeaky Napoleon, so I don't know how much they can bring <laughs> that into more of a realistic, grimy kind of Yeah. I just like setting. how how we're all agreed that five onwards nobody really cares about. <laughs> I mean, seven seven has done pretty well and they're obviously keeping that self right, but yeah. Yeah. Six is the one that everyone just hates. Yeah, the giraffe. Never took six. Resident Evil giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, moving back onto the topics of the day, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll be able to get these games on these consoles because every single yeah. game ever made by Microsoft or released on one of their consoles seems to be available on this is the Xbox Series X and Series S prices have been confirmed. So the Series X mm-hmm. is 449 in the UK, 499 in the US, and the Series S, which is the one that's been grabbed in a lot of headlines, is at 249 in the UK or 299 in the US. The one that looks a bit like one of those really posh wireless speakers that you shove in your house under your TV. I think what Microsoft's goal here is they want you to buy five Series S's and then a single Series X and you've got a full surround system. (laughs) (laughs) Or are they going for the one in every room like an Alexa kind of deal? (laughs) I did see a comment about the Series S because it's so small. I did see one comment that said, like, oh, good, finally a console I can shove in a drawer. (laughs) 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 It's better at size to do that. Yeah. Because of the, the way they presented the scale of that S, and the first thing I thought when I saw it was, are we going to get inundated with third-party pop-up screens? I don't know if you remember back when the kind of PlayStation, yeah, first-generation PlayStation and a couple of others, they had little kind of LED screens that you could play kind of on the go. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, does the scale of that mean that you could plug a little, you know, nine-inch mm-hmm portable monitor into that so in effect you could make that a quite mobile well platform. if they do USB-C charge USB-C USB Type-C charging through it that is a possibility with a decent enough battery pack that you could probably get an hour or two out of gaming on it you've got a big yeah. big old battery pack it's a possibility uh, probably not their intention but you could probably do it yeah, as an Xbox One X owner, the Series S doesn't really make any kind of sense to me as an upgrade because it's pretty much comparable levels of performance, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I think, well, that's the thing though. The Series S is the budget model. Yeah, and the Series X is the main one. Yeah, that's what they're doing. But I do like that they've done the controllers are complete. They've pretty much left the controller as is. So anybody who owns an Xbox One or a One X, their controllers. I think it's the Bluetooth models only. So if you have the original Xbox One, you can't use the controllers. But anything after that, where you can use your controllers if they've got the Bluetooth functionality straight onto the Series S or the Series X, which is going to save a lot of people's money, especially for those who bought the Elite controllers, which cost as much as a Series S when you put all the funky bits on them. Uh, they're releasing the entire back catalogue, which is already on the One X, I think, at the minute. So it's all the... 
Game Pass games will be included on there. Anything that's been Xbox 360 or classic Xbox, which has been made backwards compatible, is going to be released on there. And Keith, you are looking very much at the monthly subscription model. Yeah, it's 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 the the I saw the 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 initial prices and thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. That's a definite kind of like you're putting out a next gen system for the cost of a switch. But then they kind of put the monthly subscription prices up, which I need a little bit of clarification on in terms of how long do you keep paying that for? Um, I think it's about three years. Yeah, because it's like it's it's like, almost like a mobile phone contract, and you're getting mm-hmm. Game Pass Ultimate thrown in. So it's it's nice if you've got a gaming PC as well, um, because you're going to have access to stuff through through that. Um, you know, and my you concern your... with that is that my feeling is. If you have a gaming PC, you don't need an Xbox. Hmm. Hmm. I think there's still going to be well, I think some... Certainly, certainly with the X, I think the X, again, is, is for, because it's got the drive. It's, hmm. it's a replacement for the, the Xbox I've got at the moment, which I also use to hmm. watch Blu-rays and 4K um, hmm. discs on. So there's, there's a... There's a, a for, as, without a gaming PC, I think. I think you get a very good deal if you've got yeah. gaming PC in terms of all, yeah, think, you know get all that content. Think, yeah. and if you're Android uh, user as well the fact that you'll be able to play stuff mobile as well um, mm. is kind of interesting but again that 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 is a pretty you know when you're looking at 28.99 a month for the console and and game pass you know that's that's well, a kind if of you a think about it mobile contract price yeah, I was gonna say if you think about it game pass is probably what 12 quid of that cost yeah so you're paying Fifteen pounds, sixteen pounds for a console each month for three years. Yeah, and I'm waiting as well for the, for the moment when EA go. We're going to do you a two year discount on the EA Play. Um, oh, or, or they'll go, be an EA bundle. One they've got one better. It's okay. going to be bundled into Game Pass. Oh, okay. Well, with no extra cost. They're, they're just adding it. That's they quite. Yeah, that's quite, really that's quite an interesting that's, thing. That's, is that existing Game Pass, or is that going to be just new for the new... I think it's existing Game Pass, or Game Pass. So I think, okay, that makes it interesting. Yeah, so I think if they throw Uplay on that as well, which is Ubisoft service, I think... Yeah, we don't need Ubisoft stuff at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all want to play the same game from Far Cry 3, which has been released as Watch Dogs, and Far Cry Primal, and Far Cry 4, and Far Cry 5. And Far Cry New Dawn, and all the other <laughs> Far Cries, which is a pretty much exactly the same game, which they've released multiple times now. Oh, and Assassin's Creed Origins, basically anything where you have to climb a tower to see the map. That's a Ubisoft game nowadays. It's almost like they had a, a creative director who only wanted to greenlight one type of game yes. for ages. <laughs> it's almost like he was a terrible person as well that they protected for years. I'm not going to let this go. <laughs> He's still making shares, <laughs> by the way, from the company, and therefore, like, we should not be supporting Ubisoft as a company. No, no they so are. He's still making money. Yeah. They're not very nice as a company, uh, which has been established yeah. very recently over the internet. But um, yes, I, I mean, the other big issue in terms of the, 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 the Xbox putting their prices out and all the rest of it is we're still, in terms of what is going to be the next gen games, because it's all very well having a, having consoles. Yeah, but there doesn't seem to be much focus on the next generation of game that you're going to be able to play on them yeah. at the moment. I think the problem is at the minute with the pandemic going the way it is, 
I think they've been bullied into not delaying this launch, both Sony and Microsoft, by the by the big box retailers and the bigger re- online retailers. Into you will release this console for the Christmas period because we need something to sell. And in any other kind of situation, I think both of them would have probably said. Uh, we're holding back till 2021, just so we can get a decent game release launch titles. I mean, the thing you, you can see it with the Xbox, like Halo Infinite was set to be the big launch game, and it's been delayed. And yeah. they don't really have anything to sort of sell the system as such. Mm-hmm. There's no big sort of killer app game yeah. in the end of the year. I, mean, I think they're going to be taking a massive, massive loss on this, but I think Microsoft probably has the funds that they can afford to take that gamble. Yeah. Sony, I can't see the PlayStation 5 matching the Series X price, or I would be very surprised if it does. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what the price is going to be for the PS5. Like, it's certainly not going to be the Series S price. No. Definitely not that. Um, but no. it'd be interesting to see if they can like match or beat the X price. Yeah. Um, so I find it interesting. I find it interesting at this point because there's only really two factors that matter when it comes to like sales of a console, and that's game library and price. And I find it interesting that each of them seems to be doing well on one of them. <laughs> you know, they're not. You know, yeah. There's going to be like like Xbox have got have come out the gate with just really really good pricing, and I think that's going to help them a lot, but. They don't really have the games to pick it up, and we know the PS5 is going to have a pretty solid launch lineup. It's not going to be amazing because console launch lineups rarely are, um, but I think it's going to be a bit stronger than Microsoft's. Yeah. But at the same time, it's going to be expensive. Right. So. It is interesting to see Microsoft have finally blinked because it's pretty much been since March is people have been, yeah. well, what's the price? What's the price? What's the price? You uh, go first. <laughs> you go first. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like the after eight min of we will not discuss price until people have already pre-ordered. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, I think both of them wanted that mic drop moment where they announced the, their console as being 100 quid cheaper than the other one. Yeah. I mean, that, that was... Wait until the other one does that. And if they're both waiting, it's just like, could you yeah. just... Could someone just say something? <laughs> yeah, I think because Sony got so much press on that when they did that Microsoft, was it back in the 360 day, was it? They've done it twice in their history because they did it once to Xbox Yeah. at the start of the generation. It was the PS4 versus the Xbox One. Yeah. But they also did it with the original PlayStation against the Saturn. Yeah. Uh, that's so when they the just... Game- then they just walk on stage and say... Where the guy came out on stage, just said the price, and then left again. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was 599, wasn't it? And he just walked away after saying that. But, yeah. I mean, I can see Microsoft's entire strategy with this, which is they really want people to go for the subscription service. I mean, they're, they're making Game Pass as attractive as possible with this launch. And it is quite a solid service if you are gaming on, as you mentioned, on PC. Which is even a better deal, really, on PC at the moment. But um, if you are a PC console gamer, yeah, if you're a PC or console gamer, Game Pass is quite a bargain for the amount of library of games that you can get involved with. But is Sony going to come back with some... They seem to be relying more on the exclusivities, especially with the Miles Morales Spider-Man game. But even then, 
Is it going to be a case of Tybit exclusives again? We've seen Horizon Zero Dawn drop on PC the last few months. So yeah, is it... the, the, PC, the PC situation with PlayStation games is an interesting one because there's been a lot of a lot of he- big headlines saying, "Oh, you know, PlayStation bringing PC games, bringing their games to PC more." But I think like there's not really been a lot of focus on the actual content of what was said. Nature is they do see it as a strategy moving forward, but not for every game, and it'll probably be like Horizon, where it's three years after the game came out on PlayStation. Yeah. So I think sort of hedging your bets on Sony releasing a PC version, you it's is not mm-hmm. really worth it. No. Like you're really into it. Yeah. So But again it seems to be Xbox is definitely still pushed towards multiplayer games and Sony's still looking for the single player experience here. Mm-hmm. But I think like we can definitely see how well that strategy is working because I'm seeing more people discuss Sony's exclusives this year than I am seeing any of Microsoft's being widely discussed. Yeah, I think losing Halo Knight is a massive blow to their launch strategy. Mm. I do think as well it's interesting. Um, obviously, we we've discussed previously, and it looks like it's heading towards sort of subscription model, but also how games are becoming. Um, more accessible across generations and that kind of thing as effectively a way of um, the big publishers uh, stopping pre-owned games as a as a, as a thing yeah. um, because obviously now with your subscription service you can get you can get all of these titles back again at the click of a yeah. click, of, yeah. click of a button um, so it will be interesting as well to see how um, that fares in terms of pre-owned because yeah. um, obviously for PC that's been done and dusted years ago even though it's still a thing piracy is still a bigger thing with PC but in terms of physical copies of discs they've not really gone for that because with PC games they are just cheaper or if they come out at a premium like $50 price tag or whatever they will drop quite quickly yeah. Um and it'll be on Steam, it'll be on Epic, it'll be on GOG. all that kind yeah. of thing, yeah, exactly. So I think it's interesting to see where it's going because you can definitely see pre-owned is on its way out. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing with Series S we have not mentioned, there's no disk drive. So yeah. the only way of purchasing or playing games is digitally with these. So yeah, if you've got both, both that and Sony's version of the PS5, but also doesn't have a disk drive as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which but it, is... it looked like it was designed that way, and then they were like, "Oh, some people still want a disc drive because that yeah. disc drive on the main version sticks out." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, st- I still think again, Japan, Japan, and the US probably in the major cities have great internet connections, and there's quite a lot of places, especially in Europe and second second world countries and developing countries, who don't have the bandwidth or the connection speed to go and download a sixty seventy even 120 plus gig game as we've seen with Call of Duty Modern uh, Call of Duty Warzone. So that disk drive needs to be an option, I think, at least until the next generation of consoles. And it's also interesting as well, the S doesn't really have an awful lot of storage space on it. It means I have 500, um, 500 so it's not even a terabyte. So you're thinking, really, if you're going to be looking for people to put, install digital yeah. games, um, that's not a lot of space, especially for modern games, no. Things that sound, sound like to me is that um, 500 gig of space, two fifths of it are going to be Warzone. Yeah. <laughs> if you download that. 
you know, that's not that. That really tells you just how little space you've got on there. So I think they're expecting a lot of people to plug in external hard drives, as they've done with like the Xbox One X or the PlayStation, mm. where you can just get a USB three hard drive and plug it into the back. I think in Microsoft's case, there's another angle to it, though. I think they're going to be pushing people towards xCloud. Yeah, definitely. Is the streaming? Yeah. Mm. But again, like Brian says, without without that reliable internet service, mm. it's, that's a risky mm. risky um, mm-hmm. thing for them to be doing outside of kind of yeah. like you know the, those yeah. those places that have got good speeds. And especially now, I mean, I've noticed the impact on my internet speeds during the pandemic with everybody working from home. There has been some throttling occasionally, and mm-hmm. these consoles were very much designed without that pandemic in mind. I think, especially the digital editions. Where they're expecting that you can get your full, full fat internet service at all times. Mm. That yeah, but I don't think we're quite there as a well, especially with us running on a Victorian copper-based infrastructure here in the UK. <laughs> but I'll be interested to see Sony's response. I think they probably, probably might be a little bit taken aback by the pro- aggressive pricing that Microsoft's gone with here. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if we're saying this now, but by the time the show actually comes out, they have had their response. True. We might have to. <laughs> so. We might have to just tack on an update at the end of this. <laughs> Sony have just released their pricing. It's eleven ninety nine a month, and you get a free phone and tablet thrown in. <laughs> a free Sony, free Sony TV with every purchase. Yeah, you get a Walkman as well, and a life size Spider Man. <laughs> Spider Man will come to your house. <laughs> Spider Man will personally deliver your PS5. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony just went, yeah, okay, that's nice, but we're still going to go with whatever because we know that the, the the fans that are Sony based will just they'll buy mm. our product, um, you know, even if the pricing is a little bit more than an Xbox. There's not there's not the incentive. To buy the cheaper product, I think that's where Sony have got the advantage here. They can go, we can stick to our guns and we'll charge what we were going to charge because the product is worth it and that's what you want. I agree as well. What, um, yeah, and again, what Lobe was saying before, like at least Sony do have some titles. Fair enough. Not a lot of them are particularly like mind-boggling, but they actually have titles where Xbox don't really. Yeah, it's relying on that back catalogue completely in Game Pass, I think, with Xbox at the moment. Mm. Yeah, interesting to see. I, I await the next Sega console. <laughs> <laughs> so, last show, gentlemen, I set you a challenge. Well, I set us all a challenge. And we're having a new thing that has gestated from Keith's original idea, which was recreating a movie scene using household items and props and stuff that you can find in a house. So I picked The Matrix as getting a new Matrix soon. Keith loves Keanu Reeves. And couldn't really do Bill and Ted in the time because there's no not really phone boxes left in the UK. <laughs> so we all went away and busied ourselves making our own little picture. So... We'll pop these up on a Twitter poll to vote for our winner. But I want you gents to describe your images of choice to us. Uh, I'll start off with you, Matt. Matt, explain your picture. 
in a vi- in an audible oral sense. Okay. Well, before I start, I um, kind of massively misunderstood the very simple brief, and first originally thought that you wanted me to recreate a scene in terms of video-wise. So I spent the first week and a half mithering about how I would recreate this scene in video form. And then I later realized, no, obviously it's a picture. And um, so what I've done is I've taken the iconic scene where Neo finally discovers his inner oneness and does the slow motion bullet stop um, against Agent Smith, um, which was obviously a really iconic scene, and it was ripped off for many, many years since. Um, so, but in terms of actual presentation, it's a bit, it's a bit tedious. It's it's me recreating it. I shaved especially for it, um, and then I very masterfully copied some watermarked bullets and put them over the top. And so what we've got is a very sort of surrealistic piece, um, I think, which is commenting on really the Matrix themes of what is reality and what is not reality, (laughs) using my bedroom wall. Very nicely described. Lee, you go next. (laughs) Yes. So I recreated the kind of Kung Fu dojo scene. Um... Found a very, very clear still of that on IMDb and thought, okay, I've got this, I can work with it. Um, so taking the place of the dojo is um, my gaming shelves. Uh, they, you know, I wanted the wood floor and I wanted the, the sort of structure of it. The walls of the dojo are D&D books because, you know, that they were the closest thing I had on hand. Um, and I've got a Japanese banner in the background. I can't remember what the symbol is. Uh, I bought it nine years ago. Um, and then we've got uh, Neo and Morpheus represented by the Wii Fit Trainer and Bayonetta respectively in a new game form. Um, and we have um, the Sharpie Samurai Swords as well. Because, you know, I thought, well, there are Samurai Swords in the background. They've got to be represented by something. Uh, I think it's a very... It's, it's a very well-composed thing. Uh, I, I picked... The, the choice of Amiibos came down to mainly the poses and the colouring, because we fit Trainer looking very, you know, stark white, matched uh, Neo's uh, white outfit, and then Bayonetta being all black. And Bayonetta's pose as well very much matched the pose in the picture that I saw. <laughs> so... Um, a little bit more wider-legged in Bayonetta's case, but, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it's, it took a great deal of effort to put this together. Um, certainly didn't throw it together in about five minutes. Um, and I'm, I'm quite proud of it. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll go next. I, I, I borrowed a person for mine. So Sam, who was on the show back in, when it was back on Brum Radio, came in for a couple of the Game of Thrones episodes, if you were with us back then. I borrowed him. Uh, he wore a leather coat borrowed from my friend Dave. Uh, it's actually a German's firefighter's coat from I think the 60s or earlier. So, <laughs> a nice big leather coat there for the uh, Matrix fans. Uh, and I got him to basically lean on a stool 
recreating the scene where Neo is on top of the office block being shot at by the multitude of agents. And I found a picture of a glass from top down on the internet and plastered that over it to recreate the bullet trails that we saw in that very famous 360 shot. And Keith? Not that I forgot to do mine. <laughs> so I created mine from things that I could reach from the chair I am currently sitting in. Uh, I've also decided that I would do mine uh, with a nod to techniques of Hollywood filmmaking from the 30s and 40s uh, and use some back projection uh, to, to do the, the background for my shot. The floor is a painting from the wall. Um, one of the figures, uh, as, as this is um, uh, a film with Keanu Reeves, it just happens to be a wonderful Keanu Reeves action figure. I was gifted the, um, by the wonderful Mr. Ryan uh, and Viv Parrish. Um, and to set it off, to make, make sure everybody knew exactly what scene I was recreating, I've also used a Happy Meal toy of Kung Fu Panda. Uh, to recreate the classic, much like Lee, I know Kung Fu scene. Um, um, Mr. Lawrence Fitchburn, if you want to direct all like, complaints to Keith Bluefield <laughs> directly, we're not saying that you're a big, lovely, huggable panda. <laughs> or that your belly is that big. I, I so thought this was open to interpretation. If you want to see the, the alternate Matrix edit where... Jack Black plays Morpheus. <laughs> I, I would love a Kung Fu Panda Matrix cut. <laughs> yeah, skadoosh. Um, yeah, I, th I think the uh, the back projection really sets sets this one off. It's mm -hmm. um, worked out quite well. It's it's not just everything pushed up against a, a monitor with a, an image put on it. Um, it worked quite well. Yeah, well, it's quite, I, I was quite I was quite pleased with how it came out, especially the lighting, the dynamic lighting. I was able to to recreate with with um, a bit of a bit of uh, reflection <laughs> off the screen that I didn't realise until after I'd taken the picture. Okay. Um, so, but yeah. So what we'll do is we'll pop those up on the Geeky Brewery Twitter. We'll run a poll for a week when this show goes live, and go and investigate, enjoy, vote, and all those kind of things. Uh, thank you for joining us today on the Geeky Brummy Show. Keith, where can we find you online? Principally, if you were searching for me as an individual, you would be looking at at hardluck underscore hotel on Twitter. Unfortunately, at the moment, that Twitter feed is a bit like uh, BBC Two during the 1970s, as it's mostly repeats of the Geeky Brummy feed, um, <laughs> which... <laughs> Rest of the, the rest of the team take care of uh, across the rest across the rest of the week, and then I just retweet all of the things that I write on Geeky Brummy on a Wednesday, which is the comics, and retweet those. Yeah. So you're probably better off just going to the Geeky Brummy Twitter feed for basically what I'm doing. Um, yeah, so that's that's that, that's it. Otherwise, I, otherwise I end up you, you'll get the odd Terry and June and maybe a Heidi High if you if you go to my Twitter feed, um, and maybe you know quite a, a, a few Dad's Armies something like that. Mungo, no Mungo and Midge, any kind of other <laughs> arcade references you want to throw? Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it goes off to the test card at about eleven. At night. <laughs> um, yeah. Lee, where can we find you online? You can find me on YouTube at Ferrets, where I make gaming videos. Um, as this goes out, the most recent video would be uh, episode 6 of my narrative analysis show, Losing the Plot, which is all about why is The Last of Us 2 so divisive? Um, so that's, gonna, that's an episode I'm quite proud of. Um, 
and yeah, you can support that on Patreon at Bob Ferret. You get updates on that channel at Twitter at Bob Ferret, and you can find me tweeting generally at the Chief Ferret. Cool. And you also do your gaming roundup every week on the Geeky Brummy um, yes. website. And Matt jumps in with esports as well. Mm-hmm. Matt, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter um, at Mr. Matt Lovell. Um, where I'm mostly retweeting Geeky Brummy, Millennium Point, and <laughs> occasionally um, one or two different things that I find funny and no one else does. Uh, <laughs> um, and you can also find me on Instagram at matchstick underscore Matt, where um, everyone will be pleased to know I have posted another selfie with a different filter. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I also do the gaming roundup with, with Lee, uh, where I put in my two cents on esports, and yeah, you can find me on Geeky Brummy as well. And you can find me retweeting everything off the Geeky Brummy timeline <laughs> on my own personal Twitter profile at Ryan Parrish. Uh, Brummy Gourmand's in abeyance at the minute because there's not really many restaurants I can go out to, to... but otherwise, I'm usually snippy about food shows on there quite occasionally. There might be another series of MasterChef out soon. Basically, so I could just moan about Greg Wallace for an evening. But, uh, a special thanks to agami.inc as well for my free Geeky Brummy mug, which I won on Brum Hour on Twitter on Sunday. Uh, you can find them at G-A-R-M-Y.I-N-K, Garmy Inc. for any printing needs. I'm going to be drinking my tea out of this mug going forward. Might get some in the Geeky Brummy website as well if people are interested. If you are, drop us a message. But other than that, don't forget to check out the Geeky Rummy YouTube channel. Um, there will be stuff on there at some point, soon-ish, hopefully. Uh, but geekyrummy.com, where you'll get your comics roundup, you'll get your gaming roundup, as mentioned, and the occasional articles thrown in on there on too. And you can find us all where you found this podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, do the usual, tell all your friends. And pretty much that's it for now. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye, all.